You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to Locked On Knicks, the podcast that's in the 99th percentile of being in the 99th percentile. I'm your host, James Marcita, a.k.a. Fat Trick Ewing, a.k.a. Charles Topley, a.k.a. Def Jam Gundy, a.k.a. The Euro Hot Stepper, word up, a.k.a. Walt Clyde Fraser Crane, and this is episode 202. Mm. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Chris Stapps' brother, Giannis Porzingis, who's in the news for some comments he made to a Latvian outlet. We're going to talk about Frank Nilakina's freakish octopus arms. And we're going to look forward to the next couple of games. We do a lot of looking backward on this show. We're going to try something different. Talk about the next three games. All right, let's start the show. Yes! So Giannis Porzingis is making waves in the media over the past 24 hours because of an interview he gave to Latvian's website, Sporta Centers. I don't know if Sports Center came first or who's ripping off who. Someone's ripping off someone, though. Just gotta say. I tried to look up when Sporta Centers uh, was founded, but my Latvian is poor and they don't have a English Wikipedia page, to the best of my knowledge. And I think that's the only place to gain knowledge in 2017. So I'm at a loss there. But anyway, Giannis Porzingis, he gave an interview to Latvian website Sporta Centers. Let's talk about what he had to say. All right? Let's read some quotes. About skipping the exit interview. You know, Chris Depp skipping the exit interview last year with Phil. Um, He says, it wasn't an emotional decision. It wasn't a spontaneous action. We had been thinking about it for a long time, and it was considered an honest, well-thought decision we came up with together. It was a logical next step for us, without which we would have been in one situation. But now after we did it, we are in another. First of all, I just want to say this is based off a translation. I can't verify the veracity. The way the news works these days, who knows if one person translated it wrong. So, slight grain of salt, but I'm assuming this is correct. So... The first thing this tells us, it's a confirmation, uh, even though we knew this, but it's confirmation that Chris Stapp skipping the exit interview was a power play to Alice Jackson. I mean, it wasn't just to let the organization know that he was upset. He's like, it could have been one way, but now after, it's another way. Uh, He might be talking about Mello being gone, but I highly doubt it, okay? It's interesting that he's putting this out there. In general, that this was a uh, you know premeditated act, not Chris Stapps, just like being a whiny little baby who like stormed off and wouldn't talk to anyone. Because what does it tell you? Um, first, it tells you that these guys thought they had to play this out in the media. Now, is that okay? Here's what I'll say: If Dolan were a normal owner, um, first of all, he'd see how poorly Jackson was managing things. But second of all, um, you'd be able to go and talk to him. You know, you wouldn't feel that your best chance for results was playing this fucked up media game where you have to skip your exit interview and let people be like, oh, what's going on? Maybe Phil's an idiot. 
And with any other owner, I'd be like, well, maybe not any other owner, but with most other owners, I'd be like, well, that's bullshit. This was, you know, a Bush League move. But with Dolan, I believe that their best chance for results might have been playing things out through the media. He's got a very Trump-esque obsession with perception. And I think, unfortunately, uh, Giannis's inclination, Kristaps's inclination, that this is the way to play things out, as dysfunctional as it is, was probably correct. It looks like it was, right? Here's another quote. It's interesting how many people who are even somehow involved in all of this have criticized it afterward as something so unprofessional. Now, I mean, it was unprofessional, right? But professional sports is also a ruthless, you know, blood sport of backstabbing, conniving, Machiavellian tactics. That's just part of what what it is. It's a very by any means necessary sort of vibe. Um, In seven seconds or less, Jack McCollum talks about how common it is for assistants to undermine head coaches in hopes of pushing them out and getting the job themselves, for instance. He didn't want to like name any names, but it was clear that he was working from a knowledge base of it being you know, uh, just common understanding, common knowledge around the league that this kind of thing happens all the time. So while I don't love that this tactic was needed, it does appear that it was needed. I'm not saying it wasn't needed. I just wouldn't exactly call it professional, you know? He continues, just look at Mello, how he is handling things. This is when the thinking face emoji appeared over my head as I was reading it. All right, let's keep going. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, in reality, if he for once decided to fight for something, we wouldn't be in this situation, and Chris Dapps wouldn't be forced to take all the damage on himself. Um, I'm just, I'm not sure you need to bring up Mello here. Don't get me wrong. I like shitting on the guy as much as the next Mellow hater, but, I mean, what's he supposed to do, honestly? Like, are you really going to fault him for not skipping an exit meeting in protest? That's a pretty bold, outside-the-box maneuver, and I'm not sure it works with anyone but Jim, you know, Crazy Pants Dolan. So can you really be angry that he didn't do that? And how does he know for sure what Mello said or didn't say to Jim Dolan or anyone else? Mello was definitely not a fan of Jackson's. Uh, for a little while. It was always an uneasy partnership. You don't think he didn't try to throw his weight around to get rid of him? I mean, ultimately, there's no way to know. There's no way to know in any of these situations. Even if, like, we don't know what Giannis knows, but Giannis doesn't know what everyone else knows either. It's very interesting, the unknowable nature of the universe. But it is a curious decision to bring in someone else. To to bring in uh, Mellow. I feel like your decision should be able to stand on the merits of your decisions, not on someone else's faulty decisions. You made this decision. You did it. I mean, I guess you could say, (laughs) you know, he shouldn't have had to do this. It should have been on Mello. But the whole thing is so fucked up and crazy because, like, what should have been on Mello? Convincing the owner to oust the president? Like, that shouldn't be on any player. So I'm a huge fan of what Chris Epps did for getting Jackson the hell out of here because they needed to get him out of here. And I've definitely settled on that parent analogy, Phil Jackson. He's like a not great parent. Like he breathed life into you. He gave you DNA. You know, his sperm created you. But you can't let him run your life once you're 18. You gotta get out of the house. He's a creep. He wants you to do something stable like become a lawyer, work 80 hours a day. You're like, I need to follow my dreams, Dad. It's the same thing here. 
He breathed life back into the franchise by giving us KP and Frank. But we couldn't let him keep running it. But how is that on any player? You know what I mean? Like, So again, you might say bold move by, move by Chris Stapps or not, a, un, not an unprofessional move by Chris Stapps. You can make that argument. But I don't think that makes like Melo a piece of shit. And I didn't like watching him almost as much as anyone over these past however many years. I refuse to solidify the knowledge. Like, was it six or seven? I don't know. I kind of don't want to ever know the exact number of years. He continues, Giannis continues, it wasn't done for some personal interest or ambitions or dislike for someone. It was for the sake of overall peace. Uh, It's probably done for all those things. I'm sure overall peace was in there, but personal interest? Yeah, having a good uh, career on a winning team, ambition, you know, maximizing your ability, dislike for someone, Phil Jackson. He just named everything it was for and was like, it wasn't for that. He continues, it should have been a task for the team's leaders, but Melo and people around him never tried to change anything. Uh, it would be incredibly interesting if this were actually the case. I just find it difficult to believe that Melo never tried to change anything. It does make me wonder if Chris Stapps and Melo were as tight as some people say. Like, you got to figure Giannis and KP would talk about it, like, if it were okay to say something like this in the media. Either way, it's weird. So either Giannis was like, do you mind if I like call out Melo? And Chris Tapps was like, yes. Right? Or he didn't bring it up to him. It was like, I'm just going to go out there and trash Melo. And then Chris Tapps has to deal with it. I'd rather Chris Tapps be okay with it than have his brother run around running his mouth. All, even if all the things are, he's saying are true, these are distractions. They are distractions. And players play through distractions every day, but they don't help. And this is the guy's brother. You know what I mean? Um... Could you imagine being KP and like telling Giannis that Melo confessed to you? Like, fuck it, I don't even care. And then having him run and tell the world that? That's the last option, right? He's like, yo, Melo told me he doesn't even care. Like, he's not trying to get rid of Phil Jackson, even though he knows he's useless. He's just trying to run out his contract and then get out of here. And then, Chris, and then Giannis went behind his back and like told the whole world. So, a couple of interesting options for how this played out. Let's do a little bit more quotage. The most important question here is this. What do you really want to achieve in your career? Giannis said. Because money, if Kristaps performs at least on his normal level, is going to come. Money is going to come. We are more focused on some other values and not just to quickly sign a new contract so we can collect the money. That's definitely not our goal. So we won't be feverishly counting minutes or counting points. You can't escape the reality and the Knicks must also see that. What do I think about this quote? I'll tell you in a second. But first, just want to remind you guys, you're listening to Locked On Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you like us, give us five stars on iTunes. Why don't you? Huh? Right? Sound good? Good. Okay, now here's what I think about uh, Giannis's quotes. That, you know, this isn't about money. It's not our goal. Um, Kristaps wants to win, and I respect that. What I don't like is this developing precedent that was set that we've got to like do this stuff through the media. You know, the exit meeting fiasco was successful in their eyes. So now they're playing out this like we're going to let Dolan and company know that they've got to fix stuff around here or Chris Stapps is out. Because now, I mean, you've got assholes like me talking about it, which I have to, by the way. 
Sorry, not sorry. It's out there. I got to talk about it. But it's a, it's a distraction. I suppose at the end of the day, if it keeps the Knicks honest, makes it clear to Jim Dolan that they've got to build a winner around him, then fine. I'll take it. Uh, but I don't love it. He continues, From their point of view, Chris Depps is the focal point at the moment, so you cannot upset him much. Or otherwise, at the end of the season, he will say, It's not so cool here. The second question is, Who is the New York audience coming to watch now? To a large extent, it's Chris Depps. So the organization has to take that into account. That's kind of a direct shot at Dolan. Because he's been accused over the years of only caring about the box office. People show up, they pay money. He can charge like $10 a cable package for MSG. He's happy. So he's like, I'm not happy with that. Um, and you know what? Uh, I, I can't fault Chris Depps at all. Um, if you guys are worried, um, I would say it's justified. <laughs> but I think the Knicks are like roughly on the right track right now. You don't need to panic or anything. But I get it, man. As much as I want him to stick around forever, if you're Chris Dapps, you've got one life, right? Like, most people have a profession that, like, you can be in your late, your mid-30s, your mid-40s and still be pursuing a dream. In your mid-30s, your NBA career is usually long over. He has, like, a very short window where he's got to maximize what he's got. So why should he, if he really wants to put himself in the best position to be a winner... To win consistently. Why should he not put as much pressure on the Knicks as he can right now to make that happen? You know? I can't blame him. He's got like 10, 12, if we're like super blessed, 15 years in the league. You know what I mean? Like, he's got to make things happen. He's only 22, but time goes fast. For all you kids out there in like college and shit, you'll be old and washed like me in like a blink of an eye. You'll be like, how the hell did this happen? It'll be like, I graduated college like 13 years ago, 14 years ago. What the fuck? It happened so fast. So, you know, put the pressure on. That's fine. I like the... (laughs) He might say it's not so cool here. Maybe we should have a heat index of how cool it is here. I think that's a good idea. So, we'll have a heat index. How cool is it right now for Chris Dapps, Porzingis? Scale of 1 to 10. I think the coolest thing in the world to Chris Dapps is probably Instagram models. So on a scale of 1 to 10 Instagram models, I'd say we're at like a 4 right now. Trending up, trending up. But we still don't know what he thinks about Horny or the Mills-Perry combo. However, he's clearly the first option, as he should be. His development is not being stifled anymore by the Derrick Roses of the world. And he's got some promising young players around him playing hard. We got Frank. We got the obvious ones, right? We got Frank. We got Billy. We got Hardaway. But even like people who were dismissed, you know, you got O'Quinn, nice little piece. So I, it's, I think the way things are headed right now, that four is going to keep going up. I think we're at a four. Promising signs, but I wouldn't say we're out of the woods, so to speak. I want to talk about Frank Nilakina's octopus arms, about his seven foot wingspan. We've talked about it a ton. On this podcast. But it's not just because it looks cool to have long arms. Like that means something. Wingspan is super important. Seven foot wingspan for a point guard. And there are a couple of ways this is manifesting itself. That suggests that Frank Nilakina has elite defensive potential. Let's talk about steals. He's averaging two steals per game. Which is the number one. Rookie guard number. 
guards are the thieves, right? And he has the most of any of the rookie guards. Two steals per game, only playing 15 minutes. Next up is Ben Simmons, who's good, by the way. I hate it, but he is. Uh, he's got 1.5 steals per game, and he's playing 35 minutes. Ben Simmons is classified as a guard on uh, NBA.com stats, and that's interesting. I know he's like point forward. Does that make you a guard? Is it just you're facilitating? An interesting question. This is a crazy stat. I don't know what to make of this because it's so outlandish. But 71.4% of the Knicks steals are from Nilakina. And the next highest percentage is Bogdan Bogdan Bogdanovich. <laughs> Whatever his name is. I'm sorry, I sound like an ignorant moron. I'm not sure if I typed that out right, so I don't even want to redo it. But he he has 36.8% of his team steals. These are rookie guards I'm talking about, but Chris Tapps is tops. So he's getting all of the Knicks steals, basically. Like I said, Chris Tapps is only playing 15 minutes per game. That comes out to 4.1 steals per 36, which in the entire league, not just rookies, is second only to Jason Terry's 5.1. I don't even understand how he's still around. It's in the early season. He hasn't played 36 minutes. He's only playing 15, so... That rate will probably go down a little bit, but he's a rookie. He's 19. He's going up against guys like James Harden, Dwayne Wade, Russell Westbrook. He's poking that ball away. Speaking of, he's getting 2.6 deflections per game, and that's also tops amongst rookie guards. Again, Ben Simmons, by this classification, is right behind him at 2.5 deflections per game, playing twice as many minutes. Frank Nilakina is getting 5.3 deflections per 36, which is tops amongst rookie guards, and third in the whole league. Again, if he plays 36, that rate will probably go down a little bit. But when you look at him, these arms, <laughs> they're not just a number. It's not just a seven-foot wingspan. Like, they practically touch the ground when he's in a defensive stance. And if you look when he's playing defense, he seems to be poking at the ball with his octopus arms squirting ink out of him when the ball is low like he's like he's like tapping it like at like the almost bottom point of the dribble which is good because that can help keep you out of foul trouble even if you get the ball cleanly when it's like up around their waist it looks like you're slapping at him a lot of the time so uh you know we've we've talked a lot about the Knicks lack of defense at the you know first point of attack amongst guards um, and he's not scoring like Dennis Smith Jr. is right now or Malik Monk. Um, but he's got a potential to put to end, to put to bed, like our long national nightmare of not having a single backcourt defender. I mean, this is huge. This is why I wanted him. Defense matters. And it doesn't hurt that his vision looks sick, but we're just talking about his arms for right now. We're breaking them down piece by piece. Like a piece of meat. Oh, man. Meat. I'm hungry. I haven't had dinner yet. What are you guys having for lunch? If you're listening to this, tell me what you had for lunch today. (laughs) Tweet at me. I'm curious. You guys are listening to Locked On Knicks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. There's also a uh, football podcast, Locked On Giants. If you like the Knicks, you probably like the Giants. You should check that out. Locked On Giants. All right, we do a lot of looking backwards on the podcast, talking about what's happened, analyzing what's happened. Let's look forward. Let's try this, right? Let's look at the next three games, talk about them a little bit. 
They're all home games. The Knicks are three and four right now. So what is their record going to be coming out of this? Well, they play uh, Phoenix at home on Friday. They play the Pacers at home on Sunday, and they play Charlotte at home on Tuesday. Let's talk about Phoenix. They've surged a little bit after firing their coach, and they're four and four now. They still suck, so this will be an interesting one. First of all, does Chris Depp's play? He apparently was not feeling great against Houston, which makes me feel good because he did look a little sluggish. So I like that that came from perhaps illness and not from a lack of consistency. Um, and then he missed practice today, Thursday. So he's questionable for Friday. I hope he plays because uh, a Knicks game without Chris Tepps is barely worth watching. But some things to look forward to, or look for, I should say. Does Devin Booker explode for 70-plus points in this one? I could see like a Booker-Hardaway duel. Timmy's starting to heat up. I can see those guys going at it. Uh, also, last time the Knicks got sunned to death um, before Houston was in Boston... And they responded by whooping the Nets, starting their three-game win streak. So do they show the same resolve in this one uh, after getting sunned by Houston? I say if Chris Dapps plays, they take this one easily. That's my prediction. With Wednesday's defeat still stinging. If he doesn't play, I'm not sure they can beat a West 4th Street court pickup team. New York reference! But I don't know. Maybe you get some more minutes from some of the younger guys and they surprise you. Maybe like Dotson steps up. Uh, Beasley's not going to step up. <laughs> I know that. That's what I'm saying. If Chris Stapps plays, I say they take down Phoenix. They're still garbage. They surge. They're due to fall back to earth. Next up is Indiana. They've surprised some. Uh, with Oladipo and Sabonis both looking excellent. The you know guys they got in the Paul George trade when everyone said they were fleeced. I hate Indiana so, so much. So, so much. So I feel like they take this one from the Knicks just to spite me. But it's definitely winnable. You know, they're surprising people. They're 5-3. and three, But I think they're going to start regressing a little bit. And the Knicks catch them on the downswing of a hot streak. They make it close, regardless. But I think they might lose a nail-biter here. Because I hate Indiana so much. It's personal with me and them. Then they face Charlotte. They're currently 5-3. and three, And they're a good team. Kemba Walker is great. It'll be interesting to see if Frank can slow him down. That's a matchup to look out for. Uh, Malik Monk, some of you guys remember him. Scored 16 of Charlotte's first 18 points in the fourth quarter the other night to help the Hornets beat the Bucks, 126-121. to 121. And it was their third straight win. Uh, and the Bucks are looking pretty good with Giannis looking like an MVP. Monk was quoted as saying, I can score, and then laughing. So... He helped slay the Giannis juggernaut. Um, if, you know, the tabloids are going to get their way, then Monk has a huge game. But I'd love to see Frank shut him down. Ooh. Now I'm looking forward to the Charlotte game more than any of these three. Now that I'm thinking about it. Frank just sunning Malik Monk to death. Because you know he's going to, like, he wanted to be on the Knicks. Come on. He wants to live in Charlotte. <laughs> Over New York. Everyone, he was butthurt too I don't blame him I'd be butthurt if I was like yeah I'm going to play for the Knicks and then I was playing for the Hornets Jesus <clears throat> dark that's the one thing you got to give all these guys slack no one's living where they want to there's like 10 guys in the league who are where they want to be even guys on like New York or LA they're like from Wyoming they're like I just want to be out on the ranch <laughs> you know like your Carl Malone types uh, it's tough life of a professional athlete is tough it seems fun, but traveling sucks. 
Have you ever had to get on a plane twice in a month? It's like a fate worse than death. <laughs> and then have to like go do something physical? That shit's impossible. Shouts to the NBA. <laughs> Give me the, I'm giving a Clyde to all NBA players for just traveling so much for my amusement. Jesus, that's the worst. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening. It's been another episode of Locked On Knicks. If you like the show, follow us, Locked On Knicks, on Twitter. If you want to tell me something, uh, send me an email, lockedonnicks at gmail.com. Oh, we're going to do a mailbag. We're going to do a mailbag on Friday. Submit your questions. All right, submit them now. If they're thoughtful questions, if you want like a thoughtful response, do it ASAP, like early in the day so I have some time to prep. If they're silly questions, they can come in right at the last minute and I'll, and I'll win it. But send in those questions, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Knicks. Peace.